rich truth to start off our worship time and, and start off this weekend, ladies, as we consider that the Lord is not ever going to forsake us, is he? He's never going to leave us. His, his presence is literally written all over our stories. And, and you may not feel like that tonight. You may have come in feeling all different kinds of ways, or maybe you're just sure of the Lord's presence over your life tonight already. But we just want to present that truth right away and just say, He's not. His presence is literally written all over our stories. And we're so thankful to have Stephanie and the team and Michelle here this week just leading us in these things and hearing stories and just the richness of God's presence. So let's just give a clap for the Lord. Just say thank you. Just thank you for coming. You know, my name is Sharon Thomas, and I am thrilled that Established Footsteps is hosting our ninth summer Bible event for women. I tell you, um, when we began back in 2007, who was at the Christian Women's Boot Camp? Anybody out there? Woohoo! All right, I wish you had your phone up. Okay, that was that was a small beginning. We literally didn't know if one woman would walk in the door, and we really never planned to do this again. But God has bigger dreams than all of us, doesn't He? And we've been doing this now for nine summers. This is the ninth summer. Who knows what we're going to do next year for 10? Woo! But you know what? God does, and it's, it's in his heart. He's got dreams, and, and I love how he brings women together from Hampton Roads, from different churches, brings the body of Christ together, young and old. You can decide which you are, and um, you know, it's just great. It's just great that he brings us together to learn to love his word and to just give his word some, some focused time in our lives. That's one of the best things you can get refreshed with in the summertime. So this week, we're going to be studying Joseph. And I tell you, I feel like uh, Joseph and I are friends after all the time that I have spent in his story um, this year. Because last fall, God began pointing me to his story. And I want to share with you actually how that happened. So usually every September, I start asking God, God, do you want us to have a Bible study event um, next summer? I don't, I don't know if you do or not, and if you do, what, what is it on your heart, Lord, to speak you know, to your daughters? And, and so I'm asking and listening, and, and one particular morning uh, last September, I was reading in Colossians 2 and 3, and Paul, he wrote that, and so through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote it, and he was talking about, he was just kind of going back and forth between people who are living in Christ and people who are not. And in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 19, I saw a phrase there that I didn't recall seeing before. And he was talking about people who have Christ as the head of their life. And he described them in this way. He said, they grow with a growth that comes from God. Now, I had never seen that before that I recalled. And I immediately thought, well, if there's a growth that comes from God, then there's got to be a growth that doesn't. And see, in these two chapters, he continued to go back and forth, kind of describing people who are just living their own lives, doing their own things, you know, moving through life with their own expressions and thoughts and attitudes and emotions and decisions and all of that, and then people who are growing with a growth that comes from God. So over the next couple of months, the Lord just began to give me some discernment between those two different kinds of growth. Because one of them is just natural growth, you know? And we all grow with a natural growth. We're all born into this world, and, and that's just kind of what we do. We grow, you know? We just get, kind of get set on a natural co course of growth. 
This fall, I'm actually going to be 50 years old, and I don't feel like I'm going to be 50, but I am going to be 50. I guess you're supposed to cheer about that. I'm not sure yet, but I'm still deciding. But when I was first born, here's a picture of me when I was a baby, and um, you know, I was little then. I was little, and I was the third child, so there's not many pictures of me, but um, that's one of them. I have a little bit of a problem with that, you can tell. Um, but anyway, there... There's not a whole lot of pictures of me, but in this picture, you can tell that I was pretty little. I mean, I'm bigger now, and uh, there, there's a lot of things that have grown. One of the things that grew was my arms, my legs, you know, my ligaments, my joints, my brain. It even grew. My hair grew. I didn't have any there. And, you know, by the time it, it was 1980, I was fit right in because I had some big old hair. So that, that really, really grew. But, you know, we grow just naturally. Like, I grew socially as I developed friendships. I grew, in, you know, in, in my knowledge as I went to school. And there's just a natural course of growth that we all go through. It's not always positive when you're growing naturally. Sometimes in natural growth, we can grow bitter, right? I've done some of that in my life. Sometimes we can grow selfish, that starts for most of us pretty young, probably not too long after that picture that probably started for me. Uh, sometimes we can grow angry. Even this growing old of our bodies, many of us who are 50 or older, you know that's not so positive all the time, right? And we don't have to elaborate on that. But everybody has a natural growth. But there is a divine, high, holy, eternal growth that is anything but natural. There's nothing natural about it. And it happens when a man or a woman humbles himself before a mighty God and says, I want you to write my story. And all kinds of growth starts coming from that. We grow in relationship with God, where we get to know God. We grow in our faith. We grow with the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, if you know I'm saying with me, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and don't forget the last one, self-control. God really can grow that kind of stuff in us, ladies. We grow in wisdom. We grow in grace. We grow in love. We grow in joy. We grow in identity and confidence and just a holy purity for life. Let me tell you, nobody can grow that kind of stuff in your life just naturally. It doesn't just happen. God has to get involved in that kind of stuff. It comes from him. It's a growth that comes from him. And so last fall, as I was meditating on these two different kinds of growth, God began to nudge me about our time together this summer. And he began to put the story of Joseph and his brothers and his father in front of me as an example of these growths. And we did our best to get our word, the word out to you to read Joseph's story before you came. And so hopefully you've been doing that. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go home and read Genesis 37 through 50 tonight because that's really where his story is. But it's a story that is really big with dreams and it is loaded with disaster and it's rich with destiny. But it is such an amazing story. It spans all the way through 14 chapters and you're going to get to Genesis 50, 20 and you're going to hear Joseph say something that is just incredible. He's going to look at his brothers and he's going to say to them, and they had tried to kill him, and he's going to look at them and he's going to say, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Ladies, you can't say something like that if you're in Joseph's situation unless you have grown with a growth that comes from God. That's the only way that you can say that. And, and 
when we get to a place where we can see our story from God's perspective, that is a freedom story that only God could write. And I believe that God wants to write that kind of growth and freedom into your story and into my story where we see God manifesting God-sized stuff in the midst of our very natural lives. And that will be an amazing story to write. Now, I want you to look at this picture, too. This is actually me sitting in that chair. I was only 15 years old at the time, although I look like an old woman, but I was, I was in a play for, for a drama class at school. So I was only about 15, about the age of a lot of our group two girls, and I know some of you are over here, but I know some of you are over this way too, and I think tomorrow night we're going to have you guys sit over there if you want to sit. Is that right, Kelly? Yep, yep, okay. So if you want to sit together as group two girls, that's our teen girls that are here, you might want to sit over there tomorrow night. But in this picture, I was dressed up like an old lady, even though I was only 15 years old. But here was the thing. I could go home after this play was over, and I could wash the gray stuff out of my hair. I can't do that now. It takes a lot more than that. And um, I, I could just take those old lady clothes off, and I could just be 15 again. And see, I thought when I was 15, I thought that 50 was ancient. And I never thought that I would literally be almost 50 years old. But here I am. And you know what? When I was 15, I had some plans for my life. I mean, I hadn't written the whole thing out. But, you know, I was starting to plan. And let me tell you, I didn't want to write some of the things in the pages of my story that have been a part of my story I didn't write infertility in my story. I didn't want to, but it's been a part of my story. I didn't want to write loneliness or starting a ministry. None of this was in my plan at all. Financial struggles, brokenness in my family, some deep rejection, some sin patterns that I walked into. Those things were not in my plan when I was 15 years old. But see, life has a way of handing us things that we don't dream into our own stories, right? No matter how well you plan when you're 15, life's going to hand you some things. And at some point, every one of us, even those of you who are young and you think you'll never be 50, one day you're going to get to the end of your life. I'm not saying I'm at the end, but you know, you're going to get on the backside of your story. You're going to get on the backside of your story and you're going to be looking back at your life and you're going to be able to see one of two kinds of growth. See, for a lot of people, when they reach the back end of their story and they look back at their years, all they're going to see is a growth that just came from themselves themselves. Natural things, things they accomplished, things they strived for, things they earned and did. They're going to see things they hated and resented and wished that had never been a part of their life. It's just going to be a natural growing old of years and of body and just on toward death. But through this word and just that phrase, God has been speaking to me all year and he stirred my heart to see that the back side of my story can look very different, and it can for all of us, if we will learn how to lean into the growth that he wants to grow into our lives. Because in Christ, we are free to grow with a growth that comes from God. And this week, I hope that phrase is going to begin to resonate in your heart. And by studying Joseph's story this week, I believe God wants to teach us about that kind of growth. And that he wants to challenge our lives with that growth and encourage us to lean into that growth as he writes a beautiful story in our lives. So we're going to get our Bibles open to Genesis chapter 37. Hope you have your Bible with you. Genesis 37. And we're going to ask God right now to speak to us tonight. 
God, I thank you for your word. It is a holy word inspired by your Holy Spirit. It is the language that you speak. Lord, you speak it into our lives, and amazing thing happens. Lord, it is not like any other book. It isn't even a book. It is the language of your heart for us, God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would speak through this word into every woman's heart who's here. Let us have a conversation with you, God, about the dreams that you have for our life as we look at Joseph's dream. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's begin reading here in chapter 37. And first off, we're going to see Jacob. And Jacob is actually Joseph's father. So it says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks, and he worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So what do we find in those first couple of verses is that Joseph, he's about 17 years old, okay, about the age of some of you girls here. Um, his family business is pasturing flocks, they're, they're shepherds. And, and verse 2 actually gives us a little window into some of the family dynamics that were going on in his family. Now, if you think your family is crazy, uh, it's not in this verse, but if you read in some other places in Genesis, you can find out about this family. And let me tell you, it was crazy. Just a little rundown here. Jacob actually had four wives. Two of them were sisters, and the other two were the maids of those two sisters. And all of that came about because of a ton of jealousy and drama. And wouldn't you want to live that? Now, he was a deceptive guy, Jacob. He struggled with deception his whole life, and he raised sons that had uh, deceptive hearts too. He had 12 sons. Joseph is the 11th born in, in that family line. And amongst those brothers, there are crazy stories of incest and prostitution and murder. In fact, two of his grandsons, the sons of Judah, God just literally took them off the face of the earth because they were so evil. So there's a lot of dysfunction going on in this family. And in verse 2, we find that Joseph, the 11th brother, he tends to have kind of a tattletale kind of attitude about himself. And so with all of this bad behavior going on, you can imagine that the brothers don't really like him so much. He's not their um, favorite, but we will find out he is his father's favorite. And I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with his story already. But when we bring a whole group of women together, we want to make sure we're all on the same page as we get going. So look at verse 3. It says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful, colorful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So his father gives him this amazing coat, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But one thing you need to understand, in this culture, the status of the firstborn was huge. If, if any gifts or any favor was going to be given, it was going to be given to the firstborn. It was just expected. But Jacob loved Joseph, the 11th. I mean, you would think he'd love the baby the most. I mean, he loves the 11th one the most. And this favoritism only made his brothers hate him even more. And what happens next only makes the hatred get worse. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, 
So you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Now, you got to love Joseph here. He, he really doesn't hold anything back telling his brothers because this dream from God is so real to him. One day, his brothers are going to bow down to him. Now, I don't care if you love your brother. If he says that to you, you're probably going to punch him, right? I mean, nobody wants to be told, you're going to bow down to me. But see, Joseph didn't let that stop him from sharing this dream, and it doesn't stop God from continuing to pour out the dream on Joseph either. Because listen to what happens next. He gives him another dream. It says, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Ladies, this was a crazy dream from God. Joseph didn't even realize how crazy at the time. But we know it was from God because we already know the back end of the story. As we read the whole story and all the way that it turns out, it could only come about with a growth that comes from God. And tonight, what we're going to do is dig into Joseph's dreams a little bit deeper, and we're also going to think about the dreams that God has been speaking over our lives. Now, some of you might say, oh, well, God doesn't really speak dreams over my life. You know, I'm kind of more like one of those brothers, you know, I'm just kind of a normal person, and oh, I got a lot of dysfunction in my family, and so, you know, I, I don't think God really speaks dreams over me. But see, I believe God wants to look at every one of us tonight and say, honey, I have spoken so many dreams, so many dreams over your life. They're in my heart, and I just want to open up heaven and pour out these dreams over you. I really believe the Bible teaches that God communicates his dreams for us, what's in his heart for us in two ways. First of all, I think that he does speak specific dreams over our lives or over a nation. You know, he identifies a very specific thing that he has in mind for you. God has done that in my life, not many times, but a few times. One of them, Michelle mentioned earlier tonight, when God spoke to me about starting a ministry like this and becoming a teacher of his word, that was not in my life story plan. But I'm learning how to lean into a growth that comes from God. So God speaks individual dreams to, to many people, just like Joseph. I firmly believe that. It's just we're not always listening, you know? A lot of times we're dreaming our own dreams or we're writing our own story. We're just growing our life in natural ways like everybody else in the world does. And so we might miss the fact that God is actually speaking something very specific to us. And we just don't even hear him. If you look in Genesis chapter 49, if you read, you actually read this. But there are many different things that end up being prophesied over all of the brothers here. Okay, and, and I personally believe that God had been speaking some of these things over these boys earlier than this, but they just didn't hear him because there was all this drama and deception and defiance going on in their lives. And so there was no time for them to give God a place to actually disciple their hearts with his dreams. 
Think about Judah. Judah was one of Joseph's brothers, and you're probably familiar with him because you heard about Jesus being from the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? And so that was one of the dreams that God had for Judah's life, that the Messiah was going to be born through his lineage. That's huge. That, that's really a bigger story than, than Joseph's story here. And I don't think in chapter 49 of Genesis that that's the first time that God had ever tried to speak that to him. I, I really don't. Because that's such a huge, huge thing. In fact, the Bible tells us that in, in Ephesians it says that before the world was ever even created, he already had in his heart and mind all the works that he wanted us to do. All, all the good things, the dreams that he had in mind for us. So it was in God's heart before Genesis 49. He might have spoken it to him before that, but we do know that Judah didn't listen right away. Now, he must have at some point because that all did come to be. But you noticed one of the things also, if you read before you came, the Genesis chapter 38, it kind of seemed like, where did this come from? Did, did, you, did you catch that? Because Genesis 37 starts with Joseph, and then you got this whole chapter of Judah doing some really like crazy stuff, sleeping with his daughter-in-law, and then acting like he didn't. And I mean, it's just this whole wild story. You don't need to watch reality TV. Just read your Bible. But, you know, here, here in this chapter... I, for a while, I was like, God, that just doesn't even fit. It, it looks like it's, it's like in the wrong place. And what God began to speak to my heart about that was, no, what I'm doing is showing you the difference between somebody who listens to my dreams and somebody who doesn't. And see, a lot of us might be like a Judah. God's speaking things, but we're just not hearing him at all. And that's the difference between a life that listens and a life that doesn't. You know, I believe that God has dreams, that he's speaking over our lives, and we all have the opportunity to listen or not. In fact, I know that many in this room tonight, you've heard God speaking something very specific over your life. You know, maybe he spoke it through a dream like he did for, for Joseph. The first time that God spoke to me about becoming a teacher of his word, he did it through a pastor, a Bible verse, and an answering machine all at the same time. And, yeah, back when we had answering machines, you had to push the button, you know, and, uh, and listen, and you could play it over and over again. And I saved that for a long, long time because it was such a prophetic word over my life. It was just an incredible thing. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. But I was a broken woman when that happened. It wasn't like I had this great relationship going on with God or anything at the time. The point is that God will speak to us in all kinds of seasons. He'll use all kinds of different ways. You know, the Lord has shown me recently, my creativity did not stop on the sixth day of creation. Like, I didn't use it all up and then just have nothing left. <laughs> See, he is a creative God. So he can write the most creative stories and speak dreams over our lives in all kinds of creative ways. In fact, if you know right now of something that God has specifically spoken over your life, a dream that he has spoken over you, we had some bookmarks on the chair when you came in. And they have three words on them. The top one is dream. And I want to encourage you to get that out right now. And beside that word dream, write down that specific dream. If you know that that's something God has spoken of your life, I've already done that on mine. Just as we continue, you can just be jotting down that dream and, and what it is that God has spoken over your life. But you know, maybe you're not really sure of anything specific. But see, that doesn't mean that God's not dreaming over you. Maybe you just need to listen a little closer. But 
You can absolutely know and have access at any time you want to know some of the things that God is dreaming over your life. Because the other way he does that is right here. See, I believe this is a book of dreams from God for us, where he speaks over our lives things that he wants to see, that he is dreaming about coming about in our lives. He wants us to live in the fullness of his love. He wants us to experience his grace. He wants us to have intimate relationship and fellowship with him all day long. Enjoy his peace and rest. Live a holy life. Live a pure life. Have joy in our hearts so we can have a smile on our face because we know God is good and he loves us and we love him and his spirit is moving through. I mean, these are all kinds of things that God has dreamed over our lives. And we could go on and on. I mean, the Bible, this is a book of God dreaming over his daughters. So if you can think of something that God has spoken in this word that's a dream that he has for your life, whether it's being fulfilled right now or not, I want you to write that down on this bookmark too. I just gave you a whole list of them, so you should at least have one you can write down, okay? Put something on the bookmark because God is absolutely dreaming over your life. Now, we need to make sure that it's not our dream, okay? Because we can easily start thinking things, oh, I want this and that and, and all that, and just come up with all these ideas. The Word of God when he speaks specific dreams to you, he's never going to speak something to you that's going to go against what he's already said right here. Because this is the holy word of God. So it's so important that we're grounded in this word and that we know what the word of God says so that we don't go off in some crazy place, all right? But God is speaking dreams over his daughters. And we want to make sure that this time, this week, is a time for us to listen to those dreams and connect to those dreams and see what God has for us. See, in Christ, God has set us free, ladies, to grow with a growth that comes from him. And that begins by hearing what his dreams are for our lives and then living in them. Without Jesus, all of us were destined to just live in natural growth, a growing of old of our bodies and years, and it's just going to end in death. Now, you might have some high moments along the way, but it's just going to end in death. You know, a lot of people get caught in this trap of believing that, you know, if, they, if they've just been growing in a growth that's natural for a long time, that their sinful past disqualifies them from God dreaming over their lives. But that's not true because the gospel changes everything, right? We've got new mercies of, of God over our lives because Jesus took our sin. None of us are too damaged for Christ's dreams for us. In Christ. We can find a place of freedom to be able to bow our knee before the Lord, humble ourselves before him and say, God, I want you to write my story in a new way. And you know what? That's exactly what Joseph did. And I want you to hang with me through this because this is a little, this is a little different. It's going to challenge our minds um, for a minute to think this way. But we're going to talk through several things about his dreams. But first, we're going to start with the favor that Joseph had in Christ. It's foundationally important that all of us understand who we are and the favor that we have in Christ for our own stories. A minute ago, I said, in Christ, we can humble ourselves before the Lord and let him write our stories in a new way. And I said, that's what Joseph did. Now you might say, but Joseph was in the Old Testament. So he didn't even know Christ yet because Christ hadn't been born yet. So how could he have done that? And, and I understand that question. It's a great question. But see, there are some people in the Old Testament who actually knew the spirit of Christ. Actually, in, in the book of Hebrews, talking about Moses in Hebrews 11, the Bible tells us that Moses specifically chose Christ. So he had to know Christ. 
So we need to understand that just because Jesus came to earth for 33 years doesn't mean that that's the only time he was alive, right? Because Jesus is God. So Jesus always has been and he always will be. And the word of God, this word, it's about Jesus. So everything in this word is all pointing towards the gospel. And I want to show you a little bit about how that involves Joseph's story and how he really was wearing the favor of Christ in his life, even all the way back in the Old Testament. See, a lot of the things that you see in the Old Testament they are a picture of what is coming in Christ. And that's one of the beautiful things about studying the Word of God is when you see how it fits together like a puzzle. Only the God of heaven could have written like that and preserved that Word together. But here's the thing about Joseph. Joseph is seen to be one of the clearest pictures of Jesus that we have in the Old Testament. In fact, people have identified at least 101 similarities between Joseph's life and Jesus' life. That's a, that's a story in and of itself. Now, we don't have time tonight to go into 101 things, but we're going to look at one of them for a minute, and that is that Joseph and Jesus were both deeply loved by their father. Now, we saw tonight in our passage that we just read that Joseph's father loved him, right? He didn't earn that love. He had no entitlement to it. He's the 11th brother, you know? What's the 11th brother get? Not much of anything. He just had his favor, because his father loved him, and he showed him that by giving him a colorful coat like royalty would wear. Now, in the same way, Jesus also had a covering of approval from his father. Remember in Matthew, those two times when the Holy Spirit descends and covers Jesus, and, and, and God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased? And you think about all of that together, and Joseph's colorful coat, and it's interesting to note that many times throughout the Bible, the presence of God is shown in a rainbow. You know, God is the designer of the rainbow. God owns the rainbow. It's his image, okay? At the end of Noah's flood, what happened? A rainbow of light. See, we tend to think of God like bright white light, you know? That's what we hear in the movies and that kind of thing. But really, the Bible identifies colorful light, in the book of Ezekiel, there is a rainbow of light around God's throne. In the book of Revelation, you see the same thing. And it's not an accident that Joseph's coat was colorful. It was a rainbow of colors because Joseph's robe was a symbol of the favor of God on his life. Just like the dove descended and put that, that cloak of covering of favor and approval over Jesus saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so when we join our lives to Christ, ladies, the spirit of God comes over us as well, right? And, and we're told in John chapter 1 that we become children of light. So we have that same favor of God over us. When we believe in Jesus, we've, it's like we've got a rainbow of light wrapped around us. Joseph had done nothing to receive the favor of his father. Nothing. His father loved him because of who he was. He was his son. And God's favor is not about what you have done, what you're doing today. It's simply because you believe in Jesus and he loves you and he's placed that favor on you. You are a highly favored child of God if you know Christ. Now, 
You may not understand all the ins and outs of that. That's some theology. That's about as deep as we're going to go tonight into some of this stuff, okay? And it may need more study for another day, and I love doing that kind of stuff. So if you want to talk to me or say, meet me at Starbucks, let's talk about that some more. I want to know. I'd love to do that with you. But for tonight, know this. Christ is well pleased with you if you know him, if you're his child. You are his highly favored child. And he has dreamed very big things for your life. So don't ever label yourself as just a normal girl and maybe God might notice me one day. No, no, no. He loves you and he has favor over you. He puts a coat of of light on you because you are his child. But let me say this too. If you have not received Christ, if you've not made a vow of devotion to Jesus, I hope this is making you think about Because God has things in his heart for you, but those things will only be released and available to you as you become a child of God through your belief in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about God's dreams versus our dreams. Because the word dream is really big in our society, right? I mean, you'll see it on signs and things. We tell kids all the time, you know, be whatever you want to be. Isn't that a Cinderella song or something? I can be whatever I want to be. And, and, and in America, I mean, the, there's that tone of the American dream that we all think should be ours. And, and there's nothing wrong at all with dreaming. But it's better to humble ourselves before God and say, God, what's your dream for me? What is your dream for me instead of what's my dream? And see, it's so important that we be careful to develop a rightly ordered relationship with God where we humble ourselves before him. Because in our dreamy society, we can easily develop an inverted relationship with God. And that happens when we just dream our own dreams over here in our natural growth. And then we start attaching God's name and his blessing to those dreams. Some of you may have heard of Mark Batterson. He is a pastor and an author. He ministers in the D.C. area. And he writes about this inverted relationship. And I want to read this to you. It'll be up on the screen. And this is what he said. He said, instead of following the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to follow us. Instead of serving his purposes, we want him to serve our purposes. And while this might seem like a subtle distinction, it makes an ocean of difference. The result of this inverted relationship with God is not just a self-absorbed spirituality. That would be bad enough, right? But he said uh, it leaves us feeling empty, but it's also the difference between spiritual boredom and spiritual adventure. Ladies, I lived for a long time a life of self-absorbed spirituality where it was all about me and, and boredom from that. And a lot of people do that. You probably go to church. You thank God for saving you from your sins. You have an affection in your heart for God. You might even serve God some and do some Bible study here or there or listen to Christian music. But bottom line, if you really examine your heart, you're you're just living in natural growth, growing your own life by by natural means, you know, going after your own stuff, dreaming your own dreams, striving and, and trying to make this great life for yourself here in America. And then you ask God to bless all this stuff that you're dreaming up over here or you start hollering, rescue me, when, when it doesn't go so well for you, right? <laughs> and that happens to a lot of us. But see, the life that embraces a growth that comes from God, that's a life that is careful to humble itself before God and say, God, what are your dreams for me? And lean into those dreams no matter how crazy they seem. 
Now, they're not always going to be crazy. Sometimes they are. I mean, you're talking about God, the God of heaven who created the world, dreaming dreams over your life. His mind is so much bigger than ours. His heart is bigger than ours. He's not limited to our feelings. He's not limited to the way your family's always done it. He's not limited to culture or time or space. So probably his dreams are going to seem crazy to us sometimes. You know, they might seem crazy like you look at what God's speaking over your life and you're like, that's not even possible, God. That, that's probably how Joseph felt, right? Sometimes they might seem crazy like, God, that is the last thing I would ever see myself doing. I can attest to that. <laughs> Sometimes they're crazy like, God, that's very uncomfortable to me. That's really challenging to me. That's scary to me. And probably all of us, if we've tried to lean into a growth that comes from God, have felt that at some time or another. See, when we dream our own dreams, we tend to think less, We think less of God, and we think less of ourselves. We think less, but over here, God's thinking more. (laughs) He knows what he's made of. He knows what we're made of. We're made in his image, right? And he knows what we're capable of when he works through us. You think about Joseph. He could have been dreaming about maybe getting a real job one day and not being a shepherd. And all the while, God's dreaming for him to be next in line to Pharaoh and to have this story that we're still talking about in 2015. God's dreams are always bigger than ours. And it's so much better if we surrender our dreams to him. What if Joseph had only dreamed his own dreams, caught up in this natural growth like his brothers? I don't want to live that kind of life. And I don't think that any of you do either. So we're going to talk about that tonight, about leaning into God's dreams for a minute. Because you're going to lean one way or the other. None of us have like this perfect balance. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that thing on the Wii. Do do any of you do the Wii Fit thing and you have to stand there in the little bubble? You never, I mean like once in like five years have I gotten the dot right in the middle. You're going to lean one way or the other, right? So how do we lean into the dreams that God has for us? We've got to lean into God's dreams instead of leaning into our circumstances. You know, when God gave Joseph these dreams, nothing in his present circumstances supported them ever being possible. He was the 11th brother of 12 in a society that honored the firstborn. His brothers hated him. I didn't mention this earlier, but his own mother, Rachel, she was dead by the time we start reading his story. And a lot of times in these multiple marriage situations, the mother of a son would jockey for her child's position with the father. But he didn't even have a mother to go to bat for him because she was the one of the four that wasn't even alive on the earth anymore. And see, people often allow their circumstances to be a magnet that pulls them away from God's dreams. Maybe you can relate to that. I mean, maybe God has dreamed over you, and you know he's dreaming over you being a doctor, but nobody in your family has ever been to college, and and you don't know where in the world that money would come from. Or maybe you know, and, and you can know this, every single one of us should know in this world that God has dreamed that we would be joyful women, and yet you fight depression every day. You can hardly get out of bed sometimes, and you've got so many negative things going on in your life. It's like, how in the world? Could I have joy? Or or maybe God has spoken dreams over your life of having a family one day. And you're in your late 30s. And you're not even dating anybody. And you're like, God, I mean, really? I think I'm going to have to lean this way and figure this out myself, God. Or, Or maybe God has spoken to you about leading a marriage ministry. And you look at your own marriage and your husband and you don't even know how to communicate half the time. 
I mean, we could go on and on with examples, ladies. In fact, I'm sure that some of you in your hearts right now, you're saying amen, because nothing in your world lines up with what God has spoken over your life. But we got to lean into the dreams that God has for us anyway. Because leaning into God's dreams requires a faith, and we have to do that. We have to lean into his dreams instead of the dreams that he has for other people's lives. Lean into the ones he has for our life. And this is huge for women. This has probably been one of the biggest words from God to me out of this whole story. Because it makes me think about Joseph's brothers, you know. They were so jealous of him. And, And I believe, I told you this earlier, that God was speaking things over their lives. I mean, this family was the foundation of the nation of Israel. So it's not like God just picked one of the 12 and had something to say to him. He had plans for all of them. And yet they missed it. And I think one of the biggest reasons they did was their jealousy of their brother. And the same can happen to us because that jealousy becomes a barrier to us hearing from God. We compare ourselves to other people. We're jealous of other people. I struggle with this a lot. You know, what somebody else has, I get my mind on that. Or what privilege they're walking in or what resources are available to them. And when I do that, I lose sight of the very dreams that God has spoken over my life. Jealousy can just bind you up in its ugly grip. And when you're all bound up, you can't lean. You're just standing here bound up in this place and you're not going to move anywhere. But you got to think about this too. we got to lean into God's dreams even when other people have negative things to say. Now, it's really important to have a community of people around you who love God and who are not afraid to speak truth into your life so that if you come up with some crazy harebrained thing and you're saying, oh, this is what God spoke over my life, they can say, you need to be quiet and read the Bible. (laughs) Okay? So, I mean, it's important to do that. But you also need to understand the dynamic. Most people in the world are living a natural growth life. So when you speak things that God is saying over your life, they're probably not going to always have the most positive thing to say. Sometimes it might be because they just don't even know what to say, actually. I mean, when Joseph shared his dream with his brothers, his brothers laughed at him, right? They mocked him. His own father, who loved him, really didn't know what to do with that dream. But I love how it says that he, he was thinking about it more in verse 11 because he knew He knew, parents know, God's going to do something in this boy. He could see it. You know, this can happen to us. We might share that, you know, God is urging us on to a a deeper relationship with him, which, again, ladies, that's another dream that's right here in his word for all of us. And, And yet, maybe some of the people around us come up with things like, oh, so you're super spiritual now, huh? Or something critical like that, you know? Or maybe you share a new thing that God is, you know, urging you on or speaking over you to pursue. And other people around you, maybe even people that love you, might be quick to inform you of all the reasons that's not a good idea for you. Anytime you're leaning into the dreams that God has for us, that growth that comes from him, People around you who are just living in a natural growth, they're going to have something negative to say. Or they'll not say anything at all, and their silence will speak words, right? A lot of words. And you can always be sure of this. The enemy is always going to be telling you, there's no way that'll ever happen for you. And if we lean in, then we lean away from those words, and we lean into what God is saying. It's so important to do that. But let me say this, too, about this. 
We need to be really careful to be women who rally around each other and sometimes give each other a big old push, right? To just lean in to what God is speaking over our lives. We need to encourage one another and be careful that we're not the one giving out those negative words. Unless it's one of those things like your friend's gone haywire, you know, and is talking crazy stuff. So earlier tonight, I loved it when Stephanie shared about the dreams that God has given her and her husband about adopting little Titus from, from Ethiopia. You know, Stephanie dreamed of being a mom, and, 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 and this is not the way that, that she originally planned her life probably when she was 15. And yet I love the way that she's leaning into this dream because I, I resonate with this because infertility was a huge part of my story. And so I have great compassion and I want to encourage her in this story. It takes a lot of faith to lean into that. And many of you have been through that journey too, and you know that. And so even as a leader of this Bible study, I want to encourage you to do something to help her lean. She was talking about, you know, selling the soap for hope and, and that's great. And I hope you all go lather up, you know, buy some of the soap and all of that. And there's, they got man soap out there so you can take some home for your husband, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things we could do to really give her a big push and, and her husband, and actually her husband's the one up here, right here. His name is Justin. We call him Juice. Um, but anyway, we could give them a big old push. If you will go buy that Soap for Hope display and certainly buy soap, but there's a green bag sitting there, green meaning money, okay? And so if you put a dollar in that bag, you will never miss your dollar. But what if all 400, 500 of us in this room do that? right? That'll be a big push. So we really encourage you to just help them out in that way um, this week. But look at this one as well. We got to lean into God's dreams, even if they require resources beyond our, our capability or favor beyond our capability. You know, more often than not, God-sized dreams are going to require more than we have, more effort, more resources, more favor, because they're God's dreams. And God's dreams, God-sized dreams require God-sized stuff thinking of Joseph. He had no resources to take steps of leadership of any kind. And often God will speak dreams over us, and, and what we have is not enough. We don't have enough Bible knowledge to know how to grow spiritually and get to know Jesus better, maybe. Or we don't have enough money, or we don't have enough courage or enough faith or whatever it is. If I've learned one thing about leaning into the growth that comes from God, it's that I just need to get used to this dynamic that most of the time when I'm leaning into the dreams God has for me, I'm going to be way in over my head. And so I just need to say, God, show off because this is more than, than, than I got. And so I'll give you what I have, but you're going to have to just take over. And that's why this next one is so important. And it may not make sense to you, so, so let me explain it. It says, leaning into God's dream by leaning into his two instead of my two. What do I mean? Well, a lot of times when God speaks dreams over our life, we immediately respond, maybe not out loud, but inside of us, we say, oh, that's too hard. That is too risky. That's, that's too uncomfortable for me because I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or whatever vert there is, okay? You're, you're it. And you're saying, too, too, you know, too costly or too full of the unknown or I'm too old for that or I'm too tired for that or that's too hurtful for me or, or I'm too sensitive. All those two things, those twos are all about our natural lives. We got to lean in over here towards God's twos. He is too faithful. He is too loving. He is too pure. He is too righteous to grow my life in any way that is not best. And I have to lean away from that natural stuff and lean into what he's saying. So I lean into who he is 
And it makes a big difference for this next one. We have to lean into God's dreams because it includes leaning into the training that he has for me. So when you make that decision, God, I'm leaning into what you're saying into my life, you got to be willing to be trained. Because ladies, here's the thing. Most of the time, our character is not yet on par with where it needs to be for God to accomplish these dreams in our lives. See, the reality is we might be too immature or too emotionally weak or too filled up with fear or too deceptive or selfish or critical or immoral or whatever. We might be too of any of those things to grow with the growth that comes from God. You know, when Jesus came to earth, God had a big dream for him, right? (laughs) The biggest dream of all. He's going to be the savior of the world. And he said something. He said something in John 14. He said, the prince of this world, meaning Satan, the prince of this world has come, but he's got nothing on me. But see, a lot of times, ladies, he does have something on us. And so when we lean into what God has for us, we need to understand that probably that leaning, God's going to take that as an invitation to build our character. And we're going to talk about that some more tomorrow night in our study of Joseph. See, people can destroy with their character what God is building in their life unless transformation of character occurs. But for now, let me mention this last one. Leaning into God's dreams by giving them preeminence over our own. I wonder if Joseph had dreams of owning his own flock one day. Or maybe there was a girl at the next farm over that he had kind of gotten his eye on, you know? So he was dreaming of marrying that girl one day. We've all got dreams. But sometimes leaning into God's dreams means that we lean away from our own dreams. Or we let God redefine what our dreams are. See, we've got our dreams and we've got God's dreams. And we've got to decide which way are we going to lean. It's a choice we all have to make. Do we want to grow through life naturally? Or do we want to grow with the growth that comes from God? You know, as I was pondering these things, the Lord brought to mind a verse from Second Chronicles. It was something that he said to a king one time. And, and the Lord said, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And God spoke this to my heart as I was thinking about that verse. He said, Tell the ladies that are here on Monday night that my eyes are looking for women who will let me dream over them. As the worship team begins to play, let's just think about this for a minute. Because, you know, many years ago, God found a 17-year-old named Joseph who let him dream over him. What about us? Can we look up to heaven and respond to God's roaming eyes and say, God, I'm the woman you're looking for. My heart is yours. Dream over me all you want to, God. Now, I know in a space this big, There are a lot of probably varied responses to that. Some of you have probably been saying that for a long time. God, I'm your woman. Dream over me. I'm your girl. I still believe the dreams you've spoken. And I say praise God for women who will lean into the dream no matter what. But I'm sure that there are some here tonight too who maybe in the past you haven't been that woman. You've just been growing your life with a growth that just comes naturally. But maybe tonight as we've talked through some of these things, some things in your heart are shifting around and and you're beginning to realize, you know, at the end of my life, I want to be able to look back and and see what God grew in my life. I, I need to be leaning over here into his dreams for me. 
Or I imagine that there are some here tonight who have never thought of your life like that at all. I mean, you're just trying to be a good person, have a good life. Maybe God will notice you at some point, you know. You never really thought that God wants relationship with you. He sees you as his favorite child. And maybe you don't even understand all that that means, but you're just in your heart, something's stirring in you to say, I want to know more about this Jesus and and how I could join my life with his and become his child and, and open up the dreams of heaven over my life too. The only reason any of us can even dream or hear God's dreams is because Jesus has accepted us as his child. Just like Joseph wore that colorful robe of favor, we wear that favor of God in Christ. And we've got to decide, am I going to put that robe on? Am I going to wear that robe of favor? Am I going to lean into the dreams that God has for me? So tonight we believe that God's eyes are roaming over this place. And he's looking around to see Who's going to respond to me and let me dream over them? So we want to give us a time, a prayer, to just respond to him. We've got these little pieces of colorful cloth on all the tables that are on the side here. And, you know, sometimes it's just so good. I know God does this with me a lot. He gives me something to hold on to, something visual to to remind myself of the favor that he has on my life or a work that he's doing in my life. You know, God the Father sent the dove out of heaven and spoke and and said, you know, this is my beloved son. What what a moment that was for Jesus. For Joseph, his father put that robe of of favor on him. And since God is showing us his story this week, we want to give each one of you one of these colorful pieces of cloth. It's a symbol of the favor that God has for you in Christ. And so we're going to enter into this prayer time, and we want to ask you to do this. We want to ask you to, during this song and this prayer time, to go to one of the tables. There's Sharpies on the table, or maybe you have a pen in your purse, and you'll have to write a shortened version of it. But just write the dream that you wrote on this bookmark, on the back of this cloth. And then, if you could just spend some time, wherever you want to be, if you want to stand, if you want to come back to your chair, kneel, if you want to come to the altar, wherever you want to be, and just talk to God about that dream. Let him know that you believe in that favor that he has over your life. Let him know maybe, God, I'm having a hard time believing this dream. And and maybe you'll think back to one of those seven things. And God, I need to push past what people are saying. Or I need to push past, you know, um, this or that, whatever it was. To believe that you've got dreams for me. Even if my circumstances don't show it. And talk to God about these dreams. We're going to have some prayer leaders near these tables. In fact, if they want to go ahead and make their way right now, if you want them to pray with you, they'd love to do that. They're women who love God and love people and want to pray for you, just really have a gift of prayer on their life. Or you can just pray yourself. We're going to sing. We just want to grab a hold of the favor that God has for us, for the dreams that he's speaking over his daughters as we sing. And as we pray, we encourage you to participate in these times. 